0: Well, good morning. My name is Eric Putman. I'm the pastor of Junior High Ministries, and I have the incredible opportunity to share with you today. Hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving, but Thanksgiving is officially over. It is December 1. Christmas season is here. It is upon us. I don't know about you, but I become like a little kid at Christmas time. I absolutely love Christmas. I was up all weekend decorating. We put the tree up. I was trying not to fall off the roof yesterday putting the lights up. And I just love Christmas. I I get excited when the lights around town go up and I get really sad when Christmas is over and, and they go down. I, I love the food that you eat at Christmas. Uh, this is the only time where you can you can gain about 10 pounds just from eating and it's okay because you're putting on the holiday weight, right? And uh, you know, you're gonna make a resolution and and work that off in January, hopefully, something like that. I just love Christmas, love the food, I love the gifts, I love Christmas movies, okay? Uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, it's a wonderful life. I watched Elf yesterday, buddy trying to find his dad and discovers the world's greatest cup of coffee, um, great movie. But my all-time favorite is uh, Little Ralphie, Christmas Story, Trying Not to Shoot His Eye Out. It's on 24 hours, like Christmas Eve to Christmas Day. We watch it like twice a year. It's awesome. Okay, so I love movies. I love everything about Christmas. But there's just something else that I love the most. And what I love the most about Christmas is the music. Absolutely love the music. And there's, there's two types of people when it comes to to christmas music okay um there's those who do it the right way and start listening the day after thanksgiving all right that's when you start listening to christmas music and then there's the others who start listening to it when the decorations go up in costco and that's like in september or something like that so you're just doing it wrong you have to give thanksgiving that respect all right but i love the music and um I recently came across a list of the top 100 Christmas songs of all time, and what I want to do this morning to kind of get us in the Christmas spirit is I want us to just sing a couple of those, and uh, we have Brian and Rod up here to help us, and this is going to kind of get us in the Christmas spirit, and the first song is number 88 on the list. I thought it would be higher, Uh, but it was written in... uh, Written in 1945 and made famous by Dean Martin, Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow. Sing with us. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I'm not going to sing. You don't want to hear that. Trust me. But uh, let it snow. And Visalia, we can just say, let it be foggy, let it rain. I don't know. It's not going to snow here. Um, but that, that's just great. It's getting us in the spirit. The next song, it's number one on the list. Um, it's not my favorite. My wife makes me watch this movie every year uh, White Christmas. Written in 1940, made famous by Bean Crosby. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. <laughs> Dreaming of a white Christmas With every Christmas card I Doesn't that just get you in the Christmas spirit right there? It really does, I love that song. But this kind of takes us to where we're going today. And there's one song, this is my absolute favorite. And uh, I just want you to kind of just sit back and listen to just the beautiful melody of this song, Silent Night. Silent Night. I absolutely love this song. Some of you may know it was written in 1818, and it was composed by a guy named Franz Dubert. And the lyrics were written by a young priest named Father Joseph Moore. And little did they know that when they composed a song in Austria back in 1818, that it would weave its way into the fabric of our Christmas tradition. Absolutely love this song. But when you think about it, Christmas isn't just about a silent night, but it's about the interruption of over 400 years of silent nights. Let me explain. The Christmas story is found in the Bible. Bible is divided into two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And when you get to the end of the Old Testament, you have the book of Malachi. And as he is writing his four chapters and comes to an end, we turn the page to the New Testament and there's Matthew. But in between there, there's over 400 years of silence. So when Malachi comes to an end, the curtain begins to close to the Old Testament and the curtain draws to a close and God goes silent. He goes silent. There's no word from God. There's no prophets from God. There's no scripture from God. 400 years of silence. Where did he go? What was he doing? Why was there silence for 400 years? Did he get so fed up and frustrated with this sin-infested world that he kind of walked away and was mad and and, and quit talking, and then one day he got in a better mood, and that's when he brought his son Jesus, uh, and that's when Christmas begins? Why was he silent? What was he doing Why the silent nights? And I think this is a really important question to ask. And the reason it's important is because I'm sure that you've had your seasons of silent nights. There have been those seasons, you could even possibly be in one right now where God has gone silent and we pray and we pray and we pray and we don't hear God, we don't see God, we don't feel God and we just keep waiting. In fact, if you can answer yes to any of these questions, I don't think it's a coincidence that you're here this morning Number one, has God ever seemed silent to you? Have you ever asked the question, God, where are you? Have you ever felt like God answers other people's prayers, but is silent to yours? It seems like he is answering everyone else's prayers, but is silent to you. Has has God's silence ever caused you to wonder if there really is a God? And maybe this is your story today. You have tried to pray, you have tried to read the Bible, but as you do these things, you just can't seem to hear God? And if you can say yes to any of these questions, I think there's a reason why you're here today. So here's what I wanna do is I wanna take you on a journey and we're gonna take a look in the Bible at two people who were eagerly waiting to hear from God. They were, they were waiting with great anticipation. And you see, there always seems to be a sense of anticipation uh, when, it, when it comes to Christmas. As adults, our Christmas experience might be a little different, but as kids, I bet it, it was really common how we were just waiting as kids. You probably remember waiting and waiting for Christmas Day to be here. And as a kid, it just took forever. The days were agonizing. Maybe you had one of those calendars where you kind of counted down the days to Christmas and you were just waiting as, and as you got closer and closer to the days, like three days before. Um, it was just, it just took forever. And as adults, Christmas kind of seems to fly by, but as kids, it, it went slow. But there was always a promise and the certainty of Christmas morning that whether fast or slow, Christmas was going to be here. And one reason why I and so many others love Christmas was, was why? Because we love the gifts. All right. As a kid, I was waiting for my presents on Christmas day and um, there were times I just couldn't wait. So I want to ask you a question. How many of you ever before as a kid or even as adult, uh, before Christmas day got there, you actually went and looked for your Christmas gifts around the house anywhere? Anybody? Okay. Come on. All right. Now here, here's another. How many of you have actually found your Christmas gifts? Okay. A lot more. How many of you actually got out your gift and either used it or played with it before Christmas day? We have a couple. All right. I did that once back in junior high. I got a guitar for Christmas. My dad hid it in the attic and I uh, would go up there two weeks before and I would play it out in the cold, you know, insulation falling on me. And uh, I broke a string on the guitar and Didn't know how to explain it, so I had to confess on Christmas Day when I opened it up. Like, I played the guitar, and I'm sorry, you know. But I just had to know. I just had to know what I was getting. And that dynamic of waiting and waiting is a dynamic that set up the very first Christmas. For generations, there was always a handful or group of Jewish people that waited every day for the arrival. Not of Santa or the gifts, but of the Messiah, that every single generation, there was a group of people who lived their lives every single day in obedience to God's commands, knowing that this could be the day that the Messiah arrives. But unlike the certainty of our Christmas and getting our gifts, this went on for generations with nothing happening, nothing but silence for 400 years that 99.9% of these people who were waiting for the Messiah died and there was no fulfillment of the promise. And they prayed and waited and while So many of the Jews actually peeled off and abandoned their faith, thought it must've been some sort of fairy tale or or myth and thought who in the world would devote their lives to a story that's a couple thousand years old. But there was always a group that got up every day and lived lived as if this could be the day that the Messiah shows up. And today as we enter Christmas season, I wanna introduce you to two of those people. If you have your Bible, open it up to the book of Luke. It's also gonna be on the screen up here, I believe chapter 1 and we're going to begin in verse 5 and here is why this is relevant for us cuz some point in your christian experience god will be so quiet and so inactive and silent that there will be times in our lives when we will look around and say why am i doing this why am i going to church why am i serving why am i giving Why am I believing? Why am I obeying? Why am I missing out on all the fun? Why am I not moving in? Why am I not taking the money? Why am I not running off? Why am I continuing to live a life as if there is something bigger than me, something to the Bible, something to all of this? Is it just something I do because it's what my parents taught me to do? Why do I continue to live this way when I don't hear from God, when I don't see God? Why do I continue to live this way? What is the point? What am I getting out of this? And if you ever had any of these doubts or questions, I think this story is for you. And this Christmas story is about two people that we're going to look at today. It's some way your story and my story. And here's how it begins in Luke chapter one, verse five. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. And his wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron which meant that Elizabeth and Zechariah were both from the priestly line of Israel, which means basically they were preacher's kids from preacher's kids from preacher's kids, okay? It was They came from a long line of holy religious leaders and priests. And it says right here that both of them were righteous in the sight of God, which meant in this context that the writer Luke believed that when God looked at these two people, he thought, these two people are doing it right. Look at the way they lived, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees. Have you ever read through the Old Testament, all the commands and decrees? Okay, we don't even like to read through this. And here is Zechariah and Elizabeth and they're obeying every single law and decree. They're doing it right. All the Lord's commands and decrees and blamelessly. That is if you send a private investigator and follow them around, there would be nothing to tell. They were blameless. They were doing it right. And here's what's amazing. They were doing what they were doing as priests and followers of God based on promises that had been given a couple thousand years earlier. And for hundreds of years, God has done nothing for that nation of Israel. And these two get up day after day after day and live their lives as if Christmas is coming, as if the Messiah is coming. And as God is actually gonna keep his promise. And again, there's no evidence that God is gonna do any of that, but yet they are blameless. So we look at Zechariah and Elizabeth and we see that they are blameless and righteous and people are probably wondering, hey, how is that working out for you? Look at the next verse. It says they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. Well, that's great. Let's get this straight. You're getting up day after day, waiting on God serving in the temple, being good, missing out on the fun, and this God that you're so faithful to, he's gonna leave you without a kid? In this culture, it was always the woman's fault. This culture, women always got the blame. There was no medical. um, They couldn't understand why a couple couldn't conceive, so it was the woman's fault why they couldn't. And as, as, as important as it is in our culture for a woman to have a baby, this culture, that's about all a woman was good for, to be honest. They had no political standing. They were almost always uneducated. They, they didn't work. Their job was to have a baby. And there was also this religious stigma that God granted children to women and God decided who had them and who didn't and which babies lived and died. And for some reason, if you couldn't conceive or if you couldn't get pregnant, then, then you were cursed by God. And Elizabeth, this righteous woman who was faithful to God in her young years, her middle years, and her late years, she wasn't gonna have a baby, even though she was righteous and blameless. And look at this statement right here. And they were both well advanced in years. It was over, it was too late. God had done nothing for them lately. And we find out later in the story that they had prayed the desperate prayer of any couple who wants to have a child. And God had said no. And Elizabeth lived with this shame and she lived with this pain all the way into her old age. And here's what's crazy their faithfulness to God was based on this promise made to Abraham 2000 years earlier God had appeared to Abraham Abraham and it said right here in Genesis chapter 12 verse 2 it says I will make you into a great nation okay that happened and I will bless you and I will make your name great and that happened I mean most of us knew the name of Abraham before he came in here today and I will bless you and I will make your name great I already read that, sorry. And you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you, you being Abraham. All peoples will be blessed through you. And we really can't get into it, but this was kind of the root idea of why the Jews believed that there was something more for Israel. And if you know the story, um, after God had given Abraham this promise, he finally had a son who had a son who had a bunch of sons and then they moved to Egypt to became a nation and the nation of Israel. Then they moved back to the promised land and then they became a kingdom and things took off and it looked like maybe near the age of this kingdom that God was gonna bless all the peoples of the earth and maybe this is how the promise was gonna be fulfilled. And then there was David then the golden age of Israel through Solomon and things were great and if there was ever a time for God to leverage Israel and to bless all the peoples of the earth, it was the time of Solomon because after that, everything kind of fell apart and went haywire. The nation split and there were wars and there were good kings and there were bad kings. And between the time of Solomon's followers up to the time that Zechariah and Elizabeth lived, the nation of Israel changed hands over 25 times. And many, many, many Jews during that time turned away from God. Because after all, it was over. But not everybody, not Zechariah, not Elizabeth. And if he had come to them, at that time and said, it's over, it's a myth, it's not gonna happen, it can't happen. Yes, part of Abraham's promise came true. There was a nation and people know the name of Abraham, but Israel will never rise again. It will never be a key player. Nothing could ever come from this itty bitty dusty part of this Roman empire that's gonna impact the world. Give it up, walk away. Enjoy the remaining few years of your life because God, if there ever was one, has abandoned you. And if we had whispered that in their ear during their golden years, we would have been wrong because the reason Luke begins his story with this story is because this was the beginning of something brand new that would ultimately result in the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. And the reason this story is so important to you and to me is because like I said earlier, there are seasons in our lives and in our relationships when we wonder, is God active? Is God listening? Does God care? And on Christmas, Christmas season, the answer is yes. Here's how the story goes on in verse eight. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So essentially there are 23 groups of priests and they cast lots to decide who will be chosen. Zechariah is chosen and he goes into this place where he stands right outside the curtain that divides the outer temple from the Holy of Holies. And he stands right outside where God dwells. Everybody else vacates the part of the temple and he offers this incense to God. It's this very sacred occasion. It's like a once in a lifetime opportunity to be chosen. And when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the worshipers were praying outside. So he's in there by himself. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. So he's in there doing his thing, being faithful. And all of a sudden uh, an angel appears. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. And, uh, but the angel said to him, and this was kind of like the standard angel response, um, do not be afraid. If you ever see an angel appear in the Old Testament, New Testament, everyone is always afraid uh, of an angel. Okay, they're big, they're powerful, they're scary, even when they're not trying to be. And I don't know how I would feel, I I once knew this guy who would always tell me how he talked to angels, and I was like, yeah, I don't think so. Like, were you down on the ground, like, trembling in fear, okay? Because I don't think, I don't know if I would want to see an angel. I mean, it would be a very scary thing. And here's Zechariah, you know, he's a good man. Like, he's done nothing wrong, all right? He has nothing to be afraid of. Uh, So I don't know why he's scared. If I saw an angel, I would just, like, start confessing stuff or something. I don't know, like... (laughs) I'm sorry, like, uh, you know, I love Jesus. Okay. Um, But this angel appears and and he has good news. And he says right here in verse 13, your prayer has been heard. I would just like to hear that sometime. Not that your prayer will be answered. I would just like to have confirmation that my prayer is heard. Maybe not from an angel, maybe from a smaller angel or a cousin of an angel. I don't know, maybe... I just want to know that God's hearing my prayers. That would be enough. Here it says, your prayer has been heard. Your wife will bear you a son and you will call him John. And John's going to become the famous John, John the Baptist. And this is how it all begins. And he will be a joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. So for Zechariah, this was a surprise. This angel came out of nowhere and delivers this great news that they're going to have a son at their old age. And this, I have on your notes, I have a few points here. This first one is, it's a gift that wasn't expected. Have you ever received a gift that you weren't expecting or wasn't what was expected? I, uh, you know, as a kid at Christmas, I was always the worst. I could not hide my emotions. Um, if I got something that I absolutely loved, I would just run around the house and jump for joy, and just like we have it on video, going crazy. But if I got something that I didn't like as a kid, I just I couldn't hide it. I would roll my eyes. I would say I hate this gift. Um, I just couldn't pretend if it was something I didn't like that that I liked it. And I'm embarrassed to say that, but but it's true. I, one time I actually remember my cousin got me a gift and I threw it back at him and said, this is the worst gift ever. All right. That's not what I'm talking about here. This was a good gift that the angel was giving to Zechariah saying, you're going to have a son. And maybe we're praying for something specific in our life. When we're seeking and we're asking and we have given up hope because we haven't heard from God and we've given up hope on, on getting well, we've given up hope on getting a job, we've given up hope on getting married. Um, I know there was like 10 years of my life in my 20s where I thought I'm never gonna get married, okay? Um, I honestly wondered like if that would ever happen. And i lost this hope. And when you least expect it, God is gonna answer your prayer in a way that you weren't expecting. The story continues in verse 16. Many of the people of Israel He will bring back to the Lord their God. Why would John have to bring them back? Because many in Israel had abandoned their Lord. The reason being God hadn't done anything for Israel in hundreds of years. It was over. It was a myth. It was fun while it lasted. But the God of Israel had long abandoned Israel. Verse 17, he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power Elijah to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom for the righteous to make ready a people to prepare for the Lord. And Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? And I love the Bible. He gets very diplomatic here. He says, he says, I am old. I'm an old man, and my wife, well, she well, she's well along in her years. Okay. He doesn't call her old, all right? He just says, Well along in her years. I'm old and she's well along. And he's probably thinking, Glad you heard our prayers, but but you're probably a little too late. And we've been praying. We've been praying for this since we were in our 20s. And we've been praying since we were in our 30s. We even prayed through our 40s and we almost quit praying in our 50s. And now I'm old and my wife, she's well along in her years. And the angel said to them, what do you mean? How do you know it's going to happen? I'm Gabriel. I'm an angel. You're talking to an angel and you're wondering how this could happen. Verse 19, it says this, I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true. And here's my favorite part of the entire story, which will come true at their appointed time. You mean God has had this day marked on his calendar this whole time? You mean that all these years, God has waited this long on purpose? God has been planning this all along. He hasn't only heard my prayers, but he has heard the prayers of these people for generations after generation after generation. Yeah. Even though he's been so quiet, he hasn't lost interest? No, at his appointed time. God's timing is always perfect. Not only was this a gift that wasn't expected, it was a gift that was well planned out. And these are the best gifts to receive. A gift that's well planned out, it shows it's a lot of love. There's a process that goes through it. Make the gift special. We, uh, I have this reputation here at, at, on our staff. We uh, have a Christmas staff lunch every year and we all do a white elephant gift exchange and i'm always the worst i go out the day of and buy my gift okay um it's a very last minute decision and uh it's usually not good i usually get something that i will try to get back in the white elephant gift exchange that i want it's not that's not what i'm talking about but like when i think about like the time i proposed to amy this was something that i had planned for weeks and weeks and weeks, I I knew where it would take place. I knew what I was going to do. I knew what people were going to be involved. It was a gift that, I mean, I was hoping she'd say yes, but it was a gift that was well planned out. Like I knew everything I was going to do because there was so much love into that gift. I wanted to show her a gift that's well planned out. God has it all in his timing, all in his control. Verse 21, it says this. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he couldn't speak and they realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said and these days he had shown his favor and had taken away my disgrace among the people but you see this was just the warm up act this was just like the conversation before the conversation this was just evidence that god was gearing up what god had planned to do all along planning to do what those who have remained faithful after generation and generation who have died and never seen fulfillment of the promise but passed to their children that hope that the messiah is going to come. Pass on the hope that God might be silent right now, but he is active. He keeps his promise. Finally, the day had come when God would put into action this plan that he had promised to Abraham that every nation on the earth would be blessed. And here's how the story concludes and the next story begins. Verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Not only was this a gift that wasn't expected or a gift that was well planned out, this was a gift that gives us hope. Here we have Zechariah and Elizabeth, two faithful servants who are blameless in God's eyes, had given up any hope they ever had on having a child. And here is God using these two faithful servants to lead the way for the Messiah. This is our story. Do we have hope in the silence? Do we stay or do we go? Do we believe in God or we do or do we stop? Do we do we serve at church or do we do something else? Do we do we give our tithes and offering or or do we just spend knowing that there's nothing else for us? Do we stay in that difficult relationship or, or do we just do what everyone else is doing? Do we do that shady deal or do we do we maintain our integrity? And you wonder why. No one cares and they laugh at you because you're a Christian and you have standards and they wonder what you do it for. And honestly, I wonder sometimes why I do it. And maybe you're a student in here and, and you wonder why you don't cheat, right? Everyone else at school, they cheat. They don't get caught. Um, you just wonder why, why don't I, I cheat? Why am I so narrow? Why am I so conservative? Why am I so guilt-ridden when I sin? Why don't I just do what everyone else does? In every generation, there's a remnant of Christians that decide whether or not they will remain faithful in spite of the fact that they see God doing nothing for them in the meantime. And the good news is this, is that if this is your situation, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. If that is your situation, welcome to the common experience of those who have placed their faith in Christ and have decided to follow him in spite of what they see around him. Welcome to the world of Zechariah and Elizabeth. A couple that decided we are gonna walk blamelessly before our God in spite of what we see and people say in spite of not being able to imagine how God would possibly give us a child. This is our dilemma. The good news is that it's normal. And the challenge, will you be that unique person that maintains your standards, that maintains your integrity? Because at the end of the day, I wanna know to the best of my ability, I am blameless whether I see God doing anything on my behalf or not. And Christmas is a reminder that your faith in God is not misplaced. That even when God is silent, he is not still, he is not uninterested. God can do anything he chooses and he pays Attention and moves by those who are faithful, like Zechariah and Elizabeth. Best of all, this story of Christmas is a reminder that your faith and your hope is not in vain. The song, there's a song we sing this time of the year, O oh holy night. I love the song. I'm not gonna have us sing it. But I love the song. Long, there's a line in there I love. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Long lay the world, long lay the world, and sin and error, pining. And pining is not a word we use now, but it means longing and praying and waiting. And Christmas is a reminder that our longing and our waiting and our agonizing is not in vain. Your faith in God is not misplaced. God is the God who keeps his promises when his promises seem absolutely impossible to keep. God is a God who keeps his promises when his promises seem absolutely impossible to keep. So when it's all said and done, when you are praying and you are not hearing, I wanna leave you with this. This is kind of the main point that I want you to just walk away with today. Never confuse God's silence for God's absence. Never confuse God's silence for God's absence. God loves you. He has a gift that he wants to give you. It might not be what you expected. It's gonna be in his own time, but this is a gift that brings hope to all of us. He has already given us the hope that this Messiah is coming. This Messiah is here. We have Emmanuel, God here with us. God hears our prayers, whether you feel it or not. God loves you whether you know it or not. And I just wanna encourage you this morning to maintain that integrity, Stay strong in your faith. Keep serving, keep giving, keep living for the Lord, whether you hear God or not. Because just as sure as we can promise that Christmas day is gonna be here, December 25, it's just the same promise that God hears our prayers. He hears them. He might not be doing anything in our life right now to show us that he's hearing them, but God hears us. And that should be encouraging for all of us He's here, he's listening, and he absolutely loves you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers. Lord, we thank you for being a God who's faithful, that you have had this day marked on your calendar all along. Lord, that we know you are here with us. We know that you are listening. Lord, we thank you for your promise to Abraham. We thank you for your promise that the Messiah is here, fulfilling that. Lord, I thank you for this Christmas season and what that means. Lord, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to to this earth. Lord, I just pray during this time that whatever we're struggling with, whatever we may be going through, Lord, that we realize that there is a reason why we live for you, why we walk blamelessly, why we just try to maintain our integrity, Lord. So we wanna be faithful to you. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great day. You guys are dismissed.